September 5th, 2010, it's a Watt from Pedro show. Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro Show. Sunday, day before Labor Day, September 5, 2010. Started off the show with John Coltrane doing Untitled Original Zero... Started off the show with Mr. John Coltrane doing Untitled Original 90320. And then something new from Good for Cows called Material. Hey there, comment Devin. Uh, just back from touring with Stooges. Had some great kicks. Very wild time working a new machine. Mr. James Williamson had built for me. Mr. Brian Michael uh, built it, luthiered it. Kind of after my uh, favorite ones to play gigs, these old Gibson EBs. And uh, Jason Lawler wound the pickup custom for it so um, these last batch of gigs were US ones and it was uh, very interesting uh, get to play home and uh, only one gig I didn't wear a flannel this guy song got me a black cotton thin shirt he thought maybe I'd sweat less I didn't uh, and then it got all shiny <laughs> when uh, it got wet. It was Chicago at the Riv. Uh, I wrote about all these gigs up on the Hoot page, MikeWatt.com or HootPage.com. H-O-O-T-P-A-G-E dot C-O-M. And I got my... Uh, Torspiel, chimped up in diary form there about these gigs that I did. That I got the honor of being part of, really. I still, uh, more than seven years in it, and uh, still pretty wild for me. Of course, I love it. All the gigs, all the time I get to spend with him there. It's a beautiful time for me. Uh, I got some uh, missing men coming up. Yeah. A Japan tour. October 17 to November 7. 22 gigs in 22 days. For my new uh, album. It's my third opera called uh, Hyphenated Man. And it comes out October 6th in Japan <laughs> on Parabolica. Um, I've been working a little while on this, so I want to tell people <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and then you get to play all those gigs. Um, buddies of mine, a light. Love them. Dearly, dearly love them. And... Uh, They'll be the one consistent band. We'll be playing with all kinds of cats out there. But uh, 
every night we'll be sharing the stage with uh, Akinori, Nobuyuki, Kozo, and Brother June. And uh, Sudo-san's getting it all together, and I just think the world of them to let me come over there. With Tom and Raul, who are on their way home right now, uh, they've been out with Lou Barlow, Lou Barlow and the Missing Man. They've been torn while I was with the Stooges, Iggy and the Stooges. Uh, so we start pracking on this piece. Now it's got 30 parts, and uh, each part's got a lot of parts. <laughs> so it's a little bit of something. Uh, my knee is still the port side. Uh, not that happening. I can't run any marathons or even pedal the bike yet. Uh, but I can bend it and uh, not a lot of pain. But it's slow going because, um, yeah, I'm less younger. Um, before I went out on this uh, last bunch of to- uh, Stooges gigs here, um I went to uh, Austin, Texas first. Not Dallas. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was invited to be part of a collaboration with uh, Colin McDonough's, Tim Barnes, and John Dietrich. Well, I got to talk to him, too, for the radio show here. So I'll have spiels. First, I'll play some music by each of them. You know, I'll play some of John's music. You'll hear John Spiel and Tom, Tim, likewise. And, uh, yeah, this really uh, happening man, uh, Nicholas Taplin, first uh, post-consumer label, wanted to just, to, you know, throw these cats in a, his a little studio there in Austin and just go for it. And yeah, it was great. I it was a little sweaty. I wore the gym bay all three days, uh, but they're all three remarkable cats. <laughs> Very fun to be around. Of course, I couldn't really leave the pad because of my knee and stuff. So I spent all three days in there. I never left. I went in the backyard a little bit and got way bit up with the mosquitoes. <laughs> But uh, most of it was in there, and uh, some good times, good jams, bunch of laughs. Uh, I think I got him psyched to the prisoner. And the first night we got uh, some takeout uh, Chinese chow was brought, and uh, I got a fortune cookie that said, "Don't forget, you were always on our minds." And, uh, yeah, that was kind of, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's more innocent, but it's trippy. That's what made me think of the prisoner. <laughs> well, the first guy I spiel to, uh, John Diedrich, and uh, we'll play you some of the music uh, he's done, and then have the man uh, speak in his own words about his uh, journey through music. A lot from Pedro's show. Well, I 
26, 2010. I'm here in uh, Austin, Texas, and I didn't get a chance to do a radio show, but I am going to have a chance to talk to some gentlemen I got to record with the last three days. Uh, there's no name for this proj, is there? No, not yet. So, an unnamed, unnamed proj in Austin. Uh, we're missing one guy. Uh, drummy man Tim Barnes is out running, uh, but he'll come back all sweaty and be very glad to talk with us. But for now, it's John Dietrich and Tom McDonough's. Um, I guess we'll get to the project later. I'm going to get to the music thing. John, uh, when did you first become interested in music? Not making, what about just even hearing it? you remember? Right. I think the, maybe, well, as far as, well, I remember I, um... You were in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, I was in Wisconsin. My first experience was, uh, hearing my grandpa play. He played, um, he would play old standards and things on the organ. Oh, righteous. And, um, and that was always amazing. So when, uh, whenever we went to their house, they, they had their organ, and I'd always beg him to to play and if he wasn't up to playing then my brother and I would sit down and start playing with the sounds you know like coming up with some weird sounds or pushing the drum machine or whatever you know and I think that's kind of how we got started and then um, I, t I took some piano lessons early I, I did I think three years of Suzuki method piano and what, like grade school uh, when I was like like five through eight I think wow oh like real 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 real, real early and um, and then I just I didn't want to continue. My parents uh, let me stop. Um, it was your idea to take them. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was their idea. idea. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Actually, um, I don't really remember. Me either. Five days is very cloudy. Yeah. Period for me. Yeah. But you start going on music. You let it go. Did you start getting records? Yeah. The first record I remember getting is the is the Flash Gordon soundtrack, uh, Queen. I just remember seeing the movie and just feeling like the music was just unbelievable. You wow! Know? And uh, and so I got that. And then I didn't buy a lot of records. Though. Yeah. Um, uh, my brother bought tons of records, and he he, I mean he like turned me on to everything. I mean he. Uh, was one of the first you know punk kids in in my town and so he um you know 
my parents were really cool about it too, so they'd let him record in the basement, and his friends would come over and. Oh, because he's playing. Yeah, he played bass. Ah. Plays, plays bass. He's an amazing bass player, and so. But back in those days, while you were taking the piano, was he playing? Oh, uh, actually, he he uh, he also took some lessons at the same time, but then we both stopped that. Yeah. Maybe he went a little longer than I did, actually, and then um, on the same day we both got instru we both rented instruments. He got a bass and I got a guitar. I think I was probably maybe ten or something. Yeah, what what brought that on? Just listening. On the same day we rented, like what what happened? Oh why wow. it was, <laughs> was I think it was his calendar I think it was his birthday. Music. <laughs> I think it was his oh. birthday or it was something for him. It was his deal. And I think I we cried and get screamed. One, do one too. Yeah, yeah. I was like and, and he was and he was into it too because then it would be somebody from to play with you know yeah yeah so we drove to Wausau which is like half Big an hour north, half an hour north and and went to the rental place and picked out um instruments um what about amps I don't even know if yeah, we started no with an amp I can't remember <laughs> I don't think so um it's how many Boone started no amps yeah yeah exactly <laughs> We had these pawn shop electric guitars. Yeah. And they're kind of quiet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Must be some studio gimmickry that those... Right. Exactly. How do they make it so we loud? Thought, or no, that's, just, that's when you know you're really good. It gets loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we thought fuzz sounds. We didn't know about effects pedals. We thought that was all studio right. wizardry. Right. <laughs> so, you come home with the instruments. Did you start writing songs? Or did you copy records? Um, I copied records. I took a couple of lessons, did. and um, oh, you took guitar lessons. Yeah, I took lessons you for, remember the for maybe two months. Yeah, he was he was actually great. He was a really nice guy. What's his name? Stephen something. Stephen yeah, something. I don't remember his last name. Okay, it's all right. Um, and then I was really into it, and basically though. I, I think you know the I'm really into it. I, I took lessons for maybe six weeks or something, and uh, and then I played for a little longer, and I I kind of lost interest. I I, I think basically there was a creative aspect that was lacking for me. We're, and, we're talking about ten years old, right? Uh, eleven. Eleven years old. Yeah, and then and basically I stopped for maybe six months and started really missing. Basically, I think I, what I was discovering was that I needed a creative outlet, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted at the time. Yeah. But then my grandpa had a... I went over to my grandpa's and was rummaging around in the basement, and I found an old acoustic guitar. By this time, I didn't have an instrument anymore. And um, so wow, I was rummaging around, and... Um, what happened to the guitar? Well, there, first oh, it was the rental. rental. Yeah, yeah. And so I was looking around, and there's he had an acoustic guitar in the basement, and... Um, so I just started playing that, and it, and and it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't playing it to learn songs. I wasn't yeah. playing. I was just like every night before I went to bed, I would just like pull it in bed with me, and strum and turn off the lights and just strum mm -hmm. and start to come up with little ideas of things. And then every night I put it on the ground and I go to sleep. And That's then a great image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the funny thing is like um, not funny at the time I went to bed one night did that and I was kind of a rough sleeper I fell out of bed and smashed it totally cut open my side wow. <laughs> and then it was like I ended up uh, having to uh, save up some money to buy it uh, that's I why I conk on the deck I would roll around and fall out yeah yeah I never heard a bass or guitar but I hurt my face a lot yeah 
And uh, so I said, fuck this. Yeah, my brother fell out of a bunk bed once. Oh, I know some cats like that. Yeah, what was his name? Some guy in Needy Housing, man. Yeah, busted out his teeth. Yeah. Fuck. But anyway, okay, so you go and you buy another guitar because this guy got broke. Right. Uh, you're like in a junior high now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just one man thing. You are you play? Does your brother still have the bass? My brother has the bass, and well, he's going crazy. I mean, he's playing in all these bands and doing all this oh, like wow. recording experimentation okay. in my parents' basement with four tracks and like, yeah. I mean, and um, he's very active, and I'm obsessed with everything that he's doing. You know, I go to every one of his shows, and and it, it's with I mean some of the only music of its kind in where I'm growing up because yeah, like. Right. So I, you know, really, really kind of out there, you know, and and. But you're not in a band or anything. No, yet. and I was didn't want to be, and I, I didn't know anybody my age that played music at all. Ah, okay. And I mean, I was into sports and stuff. I played, you know, all kinds of well, mostly soccer, but like, and so, but the guitar was just something I did on my own. It was an, it was never intended to be anything ritual. Yeah, yeah, totally precog. <laughs> so when did that change? Um. That didn't change till college, actually. I mean, I, I, I never played with anybody else other than a couple of times, like with my brother, maybe one of his friends. Um, like jams. Yeah. Did you ever write songs? Yeah, yeah. I was writing that oh, whole you were. time. Yeah, yeah. And just like weird little kind of instrumental, like I don't know what you call them, like ditties. I don't know what they are. Just like guitar songs. I mean. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and... Diddies, is that a good word? I think it's a, a good word. Ditty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but not like uh, self-important, you know, my, my work, my piece. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> my ditty. Yeah, 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 exactly. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little... A little one. Yeah, yeah. And then in college, it changes. Oh, yeah, and basically, I... You know, I wanted. You know, I had these dreams of being a professional soccer player. I start um, college, and I, I mean, I wasn't like there was no reason I should have had those dreams, uh, other than that, it's, you know, it's fun and I love doing it. Yeah, and uh, so I started. I was playing in college. I, I could. I, uh, I basically after a year of, of college, I was. I decided that I wanted to that I should either focus up my energy very intensely all the time on soccer or or, or on music because I was finding myself more and more like I wanted to spend my time doing music, and so I moved. Uh, I moved to Minneapolis. I, I transferred to the university there from Golden Gophers. From there, that's right, the Golden Gophers, and uh, and then just started looking for people to play with and things. And yeah, there was like, a scene there. there. Yeah. And uh, I knew some guys who scared. Hmm. That's when I started meeting, meeting some people. Yeah, and started playing. Started playing. Yeah, that's the the first band. So the first band. So what's the first band you were in? Um, it's still going actually. It's wow. called Gorge Trio, and it's with my friends Ed and Chad. And um, that I met them. Actually, my roommate uh, did a did a temp job with with this weird guy who had these huge headphones and listened to really crazy music and he and he was like I bet you'd you know you'd like my roommate he plays guitar and uh so he 
told my roommate, gave my roommate a, um, um, like, she told him he was playing a show, and we went and saw his band play. It was him and Ed and this guy Nate, and um, all three of whom I'm still friends with. And um, Nate is now like this amazing astronomer, but Ed and Chad, anyway, we have a band together. Oh. <laughs> and it's been going for like 15 years. Oh shit, I talked about Did you record then? Yeah, yeah. We started recording like the first band right away. Yeah, we basically started out um, just improvising together a lot yeah. of the time. And uh, so, and then what? What? Uh, what happened then? I don't know. Then we uh, we started another. We the three of us also. Um, we met this guy Nick, who was from St. Louis, who had this band there called Dazzling Kilman, and we um, that band had broken up, and he had moved to. Minneapolis, and he joined um, with us, and we started a new band um, called Colossomite, and that went for a while. Tour? We toured. In fact, that's how we ended. We we um, we toured the U.S. and Europe, and at the end of the tour, we ended in Hamburg, Germany. And Chad, the drummer, stayed there, met a woman the next day, and has been living there ever since. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, That's um, a way into tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, even before we knew Chad was staying, we knew the band. Like the band kind of imploded yeah. anyway. So, but that's your first touring. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, Gorse Trio played played some like little like, regional. But yeah, we play like Iowa City or yeah. Um, no, it's not, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And you guys are improvising. So you're writing like you're pretty engaged in creating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were writing material for it too. Yeah. But um, our focus was just on like we were really into all these you know like European improvisers and yeah. and like um, you know Peter Brodsman is yeah. you know this kind of thing like real energy like. Were you taking classes at the college about music? Not, not about me. I well for the most part no. I took one actual music class in in college and I at right. University of Minnesota you get one class that you can drop and they'll remove it from your yeah, record right. and for me that was music theory I was getting a D and, oh, and, no. and I was just like alright forget it are you it. still doing the soccer? no no yeah. you mean now or then? no no, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah yeah I kind of thought maybe now but yeah I was guessing probably but I was wondering so you made the decision no more soccer in yeah 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 I just made I was just right focusing so, on this other thing this band breaks up Colossomite Colossum. <laughs> Everybody thought that. It was a flawed name. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah, no it is. It really was. It was, a, it was an error in judgment that none of us foresaw. <laughs> Amazingly. It came, no. it came quickly apparent. Though. The, yeah. next, the next music chapter for you after that. Um, I was looking around... I was working at the graduate school after I graduated from college, um, and I was just, I had started this job while I was there, and I had time occasionally to look around on the internet, and I was just looking for something, like, where could, what could I, what, what do I, what can I do next, you know, and um, I was looking into finding music programs, but specifically electronic music, because I was really interested in electronic music, and I was making... I was playing around with electronic stuff and like kind of collaging sounds and all this kind of thing and I wanted to see if there was maybe someplace I could go and actually learn more about it and I found out about this college in Oakland, California called Mills College 
Oh yeah. And I um, applied to there and miraculously got in. Um, so that's and then moved there and started school. I met Greg on my first day of school, um, the drummer wow. for Deerhoof. Yeah, all right. And we had a, we had a class together and and uh, we started doing these things. where after class. Um, he he went there. So, but yeah, he, yeah. He was from Oberlin. He went to. He school. went to Oberlin, and then that he he. Um, Which was, that was a for music undergraduate. Trip, right? but yeah, that was a, a conservatory. All right, I played there a couple times. Yeah, yeah. There was gigs there. Um, and we would like maybe four or five of us would get together after this one class, and we just play music for each other, listen to records, and not listen to records, listen to things that we were working on, and um, and he played uh, a Deerhoof thing that he had. Because he had that going, working on, right, yeah, right. and and I played some Gorchio things, and and it was exactly at this moment where Rob and Kelly were leaving to move to Alaska, and so he was after he was like, "Would you maybe be interested in playing together?" And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I loved that <laughs> so music." That's the next ba- band after Colossal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Colossal might. Colossal might. <laughs> it's okay. It's better actually in Italian. It's great. Colossamite. <laughs> oh, in Italian, it's great. Colossamite. Okay. It's just like <laughs> some big, something big. Yeah, yeah. Our singer invented that word. Okay. <laughs> he's he's good with that. I thought it it wasn't good. <laughs> no, he's good. He's good at it, but then like it's just hard to pronounce. <laughs> or it, it 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 has certain connotations. Yeah, yeah. There's it starts like another word. Um, right. Okay, so you start playing. Yeah, so right, I started okay. playing, and then yeah, I never graduated from there. Greg was in his second year, so we yeah. he finished his year out. We played at his thesis concert. Yeah, and then um, as Deerhoof. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he had a broken leg. Actually, he had oh. broken his his right leg, so he had to play bass drum with his left that leg. <laughs> so we were doing shows like that too. It was, but it was it was I think it was good still. Yeah, yeah. When did you start recording with him? Uh, pretty much right away. Right away. Yeah, because we that well, that was one thing we had access to the recording the studio mills. Yeah. So we would. Uh, uh, that's where we recorded like a lot of the stuff for this album, Reveille, which was the first one that I played on. Was it Econo? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there. I mean, they had they had some nice stuff, and we didn't know yeah. how to use any of it. And so, like, we did. I mean, we did everything wrong. Like. You know, I I decided it was you, you needed two mics on the guitar amp, which is a fine idea. But then I never checked the phase, so they were completely out of phase, oh, and yeah. I had them hard panned. And so it's just like you so put the thing mix. in mono, and the guitar completely disappears. <laughs> and so we were just like, oh my god, like, how did we fix this? Dude. And all we had was stereo mixes when we left. Yeah, that place. but you were young and just starting. Yeah, I just did that on my third opera, only one song. Oh, really? With what? With what instrument? Tony Mamone with the guitar. It was pan hard left. Oh yeah, and it's out of phase. Yeah, it's easy to do. We actually. The song is it? Uh, Antlered Man. It's Antlered Man. So if you listen to Antlered Man, okay, cool. The mono button all of a sudden. <laughs> I'll look for the it. Guitar just like goes mm. for it. Mm. We also there was a, a like this thing where you could do that would make it's it. I forget what it's called, but it, it can take a an image and make it sound more stereo. You know, it somehow plays with the phase. Yeah. And um, I didn't know what it was doing. I was just like trying to make this completely mono song sound more big or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think it sounds good. And we were all like, it sounds good. But then um, Greg listens a lot of times when he's like mixing things. 
on a, he, he plugs things into one speaker, one tiny little unpowered speaker to listen to it. Yeah. And the song would come on and there was no sound. Completely no sound. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, what is going on? Like, I know this song. And then he'd plug it into a stereo and there's sound. Yeah. And the, basically, um, that song we had, we had, uh, through doing this weird electronic process made it completely out of phase like 100% so when you listen to it it was gone wow which I was like you know that's kind of a good idea we should do that leave it like that for the record like just have this song it just like only happens if it, like in certain circumstances it would just be this mystery song but we didn't what year's Ravelry? Ooh, I have no idea uh, I'm really bad at that kind of thing well let's see 2001 or something okay. when I joined they were um, just finishing Half Bird and I helped them finish it and then we mastered it um, uh, but so yeah 2000 2001 I think 2001 maybe because it took us yeah definitely because it took us like two years to make and then you had a few more albums and you just made one we just yeah well it's almost done now. oh it's got to be mixed in Portland yeah yeah because Ed moved to Portland? Yep. And, uh, yeah, he don't have to travel. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, we'll see. I think we'll all be doing lots of traveling. So sometimes, you know, we might end up meeting in other places. We'll see. The, the first was playing with Greg. It's Tommy. And, you know, like, there's been a couple of uh, men manifestations you've gone through yeah is it different now this new one yeah with Ed with the two guitars yeah you mean just like the feeling of the group or, or yeah the dynamic yeah I mean I don't know exactly how to talk about it. I, I I'm very excited about what we're doing right now I mean we have um, we've been playing live with two 12 string guitars yeah and that's it been I mean, a little bit of a struggle, <laughs> as you might imagine, in terms of intonation and whatever. Intonation. But like, yeah. it's a uh, it's a new sound, and and uh, and I, I I don't know. I just feel like we're we're always we're we're just trying to keep discovering things. Do you ever play the bass? Yeah, sometimes. No, I've seen Ed do it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, Actually, when I first saw Ed play, he was bass player for XBXRX. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's a great show. They were kind of in the same outfits. Yeah, yeah. And they were leaping all over. Yeah. Great. He has some amazing XBXRX stories, man. I can imagine uh, Chris or Vic. Vice. Vice, that's yeah. it. Vice Cooler. Yeah. <laughs> and his brother, right? Yeah, Steve. Interesting gentleman. Yeah. Very interesting gentleman. So yeah, with the Deerhoof, you want to keep it moving. I guess that's the name of the band. Yeah, in yeah. In a way, never been the same. My experiences at the gigs and listening to the records always want to keep changing. Yeah, yeah. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Uh, you have this other band going from the first days. Yeah, yeah. We're still going. We just recorded a new record in January, and we're going to attempt to finish it in the next year. And um, did you ever pursue electronics? Yeah, I mean, that's what I worked on at Mills. Actually, that's not what I worked on at Mills. That was one thing. When you got to Mills, you, anything goes. You just yeah. kind of, they just like work. 
And so I ended up doing almost no electronic music, but I still do things sometimes. But it's you know it's it's not like I'm building electronic instruments. It's just basically playing with sounds and like yeah. production and like I think of all of that as uh, part of that same thing. I mean, you're just dealing with these sounds in a computer or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Even if it's like pl- mixing a song. Mm-hmm. It's been a trip. Uh your journey yeah thanks for sharing thank you
lot from Pedro's show. Uh, that was Deerhoof with My Purple Past. Before that, Big Spiel with John Dietrich, the guitarist with Deerhoof. Uh, before um, the Spiel with John, we had some bands he played with. Treasure House in Amber by Gorge Trio. Before that, Living with Tigers by Gorge Trio. And before that, Plum Sign by the Gorge Trio. He talked about them, so. Um, and started all off with the big switch by Natural Dreamers. Um, it was incredible for me to get to uh, work base with him. The, uh, Nicholas uh, rented um, I don't know a seventies Fender P bass. Played pretty good. Uh, he was just going to take it direct, but then. Agreed to uh, also use this little Ampeg. Uh, I sat down the whole time. He sat down, too. He was on a stool playing the last Paul. can't remember what amp he was using because it was in another room. And I didn't check it out. But, man, he was wailing on it. And, uh, yeah, very uh, intuitive player, too. Good listener. Um, it's been the first hour of the September 5th, 2010 Watt from Pedro show. Please hold tight for hour two. September 5th, 2010. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
last three days here near the end of August in Austin. Yeah, August in Austin. Three days in a gin bay for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. And I never left the pad. My people, my knee is still hurt and so it's easier for me just, you know, I could stay in one place. I'd never left the pad. No. I but there is a, there's a back hatch and I did go on porch. Mm -hmm. a few times, but, and there's quite a fly thing there happening. Well, I like to shout Tell them how'd you get mm -hmm. started with me? What when your littlest Memories age? Of, yeah. Uh, well, memory of music, hearing mm -hmm. or doing. Mm -hmm. Well, both of my parents are piano players. Ah, so you started with music. Yeah, yeah, and it was really You're probably mean, hearing it when you were in the. In the womb, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Um, my mom was really passionate about music, and my dad, and she played like classical music, you know, and studied in school for that. And I know your history a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're listening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, <clears throat> right. Your your mom and your pop are playing. Right. My yeah. mom. So my mom played like classical stuff, and my dad played in piano bars for years and years, all like golden oldies. And uh, so they both, you know, had a very different approach to the same instrument. I think that for sure has uh, given me a particular type of education, you know, in my life. Well, did they wanted you playing real early? Well, my mom did for sure. Yeah. I actually didn't know my dad that well growing up. Uh, I got to know him after I was able to drive and go to him, you know. Right, right. Um, but... Uh, my, she teach you or did you get less? My mom taught me for a little while, yeah. but that didn't work out too well. <laughs> so then oh, she ended like up being dad a, trying to teach you how to drive. Exactly. I've taught. Yeah, it was just a lot of you know, friends. We, stick shift. Uh huh. After fathers having total insane breakdowns. Right. They don't have the pay. pay the connections too close or something. Yep. I think and, so. Uh, yeah. You'll never do this. You're doing stupid shit. And you know. No. Couple of weeks, I got them driving and uh -huh. stuff like that. But they just could not be calm. Well, there's sometimes people just need a little patience, and they get yeah. But it, the connection, like, the parent-child thing, is right, key. right. And that's how it was for me, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I studied with other teachers, and and I really did study. I mean, I grew up like that, you know, like as a boy. Yeah, as a boy playing, you know, all the you know Bach and Scarlatti and Mozart so and Chopin you had and all the, that kind of stuff. Music classes in school? Uh, some, yeah. Like I was even I was in the marching band in junior high and high school. Yeah. You know? No, I played trumpet. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> to 
accomplished that. <laughs> I had some helpers, you know. <laughs> and uh, they had to keep me in the tuba section on the different ends of the football field. Though. And um, and so, uh, yeah, I, see, I'm, but I really, um, I was curious. I remember as a kid, like I used to climb inside of the piano and, and uh, I loved banging on the keys and without any regard of what I was doing, just listening to the sounds. And so, oh, so were you writing? Um, I was improvising, I would say, you know. Okay. I mean that's something that kids do naturally, right? I mean they just like makes well, make yeah, sounds with stuff, right? And I, I kind of feel like I never studying left them. all them uh, composers. I was, stuff. I was doing that too, yeah. And uh, you know, I ended up with a degree in composition and performance, and from university and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, I followed that trajectory, but I also was curious about all kinds of different things. And yeah, did you, know, you have bands with buddies? Yeah. Yeah, I had a band when I was 12 out in the countryside in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I remember we, it was maybe six months long or something, we played like uh, Rush and Doors and things like that, you know. Um, Rush, then, the band? Yeah, yeah, right. Because uh, they had keyboards in it, you know. So I was playing keyboards and, uh, and stuff. Yeah, did you find that there was kind of a weird thing against keyboards with rock and roll? Well, it is. It's a weird instrument. I think it's hard yeah, to make it work, what? right? Rock and roll started on the piano. Right, right, Truth I know. Truth be told. <laughs> I know, horn players and keyboard guys always get shit yeah. when we're young with mm -hmm. the rock and roll bands. But sure. it's total denial about the truth of how rock started because it is a piano mm -hmm. instrument. Now, we didn't, me and D. Boone didn't know anybody because electric pianos or you know, organs and shit. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the early 70s when we started playing. They were very expensive. Right. It wasn't like later. I know. And uh, we didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. We didn't know anyone who played this stuff. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know, you know, the school had when there'd be p guys playing piano in the school bands. Mm -hmm. uh, not marching band or anything, but in the auditorium <laughs> and that right. stuff. There'd even be right. like a weird version of a ja jazz uh -huh. orchestra or something. Mm -hmm. There'd be cats playing piano, but that's as close as we got to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I remember a, a, a Univox came out, and it had a piano sound and a harpsichord sound, uh -huh. and a, maybe clavichord, mm. clavinet. It had three sounds, and it was still like four or $500 for those days. I know, I know. And one cat got it <clears throat> at high school. That was the first time... Then again, I was asked to play bass in a band for a talent show song, hmm. and the guy was a bass player, the best bass player in school, but he wanted to play piano. Hmm. So he had me play some like kick drum part, you know, boom, boom, hmm. boom, 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 boom. This guy right. got bass underneath, and he played piano. So that was the first time hmm. I played with a piano player. Hmm. But did you, did you encounter that stuff with rock? Like everybody wanted to rock the guitar. I mean, well, for I sure, had to yeah. bass. No one wanted to be rocking the bass in those days. <laughs> yeah. That's where you put the retarded friend, you know, it was like <laughs> the right field in Little League. Yeah, and I know. They won't hit it out there, you know. <laughs> and fucking, I had no idea. But we knew every band had one, mm -hmm. mostly, mm -hmm. if you looked on the album cover. It was also arena rock, so we weren't very close. Right. So, But it seemed like everybody wanted to do the guitar. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering about, 
And then you you were you're in the classical music in this. Right, right, and composing so and stuff. You so. never got a chip because some <clears> of them <throat> cats rock and roll. This is like knucklehead shit. <laughs> worried about that. Yeah, well, it's a different world for sure, a different mentality. And the thing about classical music, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in that world that, you, that I learned, but it's also, it lays a lot of baggage on you too. And uh, Why? <clears throat> well, I think it's, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I th this could be a long conversation, you know, a topic. But um, first of all, there's so much emphasis on reading music, on, uh, on playing the music the way it's supposed to be played, you know, um, as intended, as intended or as as interpretedly intended. Yeah, you know, there's no way that that medium really <clears throat> right gets it over. Right, and you know, also something I started to realize that a lot of these composers were freaks, you know. Yeah, sure. And but but then it somehow it became uh, conventional. Over the years, yeah, I mean the approach to to this music <clears throat> became conventional. I learned from playing that stuff that I should be making my own, you know. Yeah, um, that became pretty clear to me, and and that's not the case for a lot of classical players, you know. They um, execute. They execute. Few. You yeah. Mean yeah. But I actually ended up like I quit school after three years, and this was during the uh, run up to the Persian Gulf War, you know. Early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. And um, I started a band called the 100th Monkey Generation, The Difference Between Everything Anarchists Can Do, Whether or Not the Cops Will Let Us Band. Uh, and the name got longer and longer as we had different experiences, you know, so the name itself kind of tells this the story like of the, the band. Woods. <coughs> no, the Woods band. <clears throat> no, this was when I was... Uh, what that was the name of that band? Oh, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Sorry, but... I told you Bright Orange, 12 years man. old is a bit of a blur for me. I told you about Bright Orange, man. <laughs> um, no, this is... I was like 23. No, I must have been 21, I guess. And so... And we played... Like, we didn't play one gig for money. Uh, but we played all up and down the coast. We played the... Nevada nuclear test site on Shoshone land there a couple of times. Did a five-day walk and played every night for the dinners out in the middle of the desert. You pushing that we piano did... right? <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot stronger than I look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, then we, we played uh, like Do you, do you all ever play standing up? Yeah. I'll yeah, you, I do. Okay, but you know, I always wanted to have an organ band uh -huh. since I heard Sister Ray when I was uh -huh. more younger, and I finally got a trio mm -hmm. called Second Man. Right, and I remember we're going on tour, and I guess no one ever talked about this, but here's the first gig in Tempe, and the organ man Pete Mazage pulls out this fucking stool. <laughs> And I said, you think I'm going to be the only one standing up there? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so right. He, you know, he's a long shortman. He, you know, says he, so he put the, okay. Uh -huh. And he, yeah. he jettisoned the, 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 the stool. Right. And he's been playing standing up with mm. me. I never thought about it being an issue. Yeah, I don't. I I really wish that it would be easier to stand up. I mean, it's hard to play a piano at the height that it's at. You gotta work a pedal. Well, the pedal and also the angle of your arms coming at the keyboard is totally wrong. Oh, you really have to have a parallel. Your your arm has to be parallel to the okay. keyboard. That's the best way to play. So, if like a Hammond like organ, this you're is, allowed to like 
die. <laughs> well, sure. This is the way he plays. He gets actually yeah. big old hurts and shit on his Yeah. Because he... He, he plays it with the, the wrong side of his hands. Yeah, and this kind of thing, you know. The, it's like what are those things called? Glitches? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Slurs. And he just never sit, sat down again. Oh, from wow. that first... I just was feeling alone. Because the drum, he's already on a throne. Uh-huh. You know, these both these guys are going to be looking at me, and I'm standing there. So come up and peek. Help me out. What he did, he chopped the organ and put steel foldable legs. Uh-huh. The, right. Then he could get it high enough. And you can get it in the boat. And <laughs> you can get it in the boat. You know what I mean? It's right. still 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. But that other shit, they, those Hammonds, I think, were built just to go in a place and stay. Yeah, stay. For sure. It's a 65 Hammond mm-hmm. B3. Or Arena Rock, one of the well, other. You know, or some <laughs> other dudes are lifting it, right? <laughs> exactly. And the uh, same goes for the speaker. A lot of it's that speaker, mm-hmm. that Leslie. Right, the Leslie. Yeah. It's a great sound. Hmm. Uh, but get on, get on with your the anarchist band. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So we were doing like protests and benefits so and like all this you, kind of you, stuff. You know, the playing in the street. With, uh, and, politics. Yeah, it was totally political band. Yeah, that was like the Rush band in the woods. No, no, that band was just twelve-year-olds. Oh, it's twelve that young. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. That's no. That was that was my first band. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay. uh, And no, this this was. uh, I mean, we put it together particularly to protest, and uh, and then I uh, and that that kind of dissolved at some point, and then I I did nothing but at that. I did nothing but uh, protests and political organizing and a lot of environmental work up like in Humboldt County. Um, And, um, you know, that's what I did for quite a few years, actually. I stopped playing piano? I pretty much stopped playing the piano for a while. And I think that was really good for me because it kind of like broke, you know, like habits and, and ways of looking at music for me. And I, so when I came back to it, you know, I was really fresh, you know. What got you going back to it? Uh, well, I kind of woke up from, in a way, from like all of this protest and demonstrating and organizing and all that, and thought, "What the fuck have I done?" You know, the world is, you know, is still, you know, fucked up. You know, <laughs> and and uh, and I felt like I had sacrificed uh, years of my life, you know, to to not be really effective. And and then I, I, I kind of thought, well, I think music is my best way to interact with the world, to, to you know, add something good to it. So, so then I, yeah, that's why I came back to music. Um, and, uh, but even then... In the woods? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, and I mean, I lived in tents in the woods for quite a while in the mountains and, now you're doing and stuff the music. like that. No, no this was before together. the music, oh, but before, before, I mean, in between or whatever. So when you come back, no, I'm trying to get back. Yeah, yeah. When you bring back, you, you start a band, or would you go back to your classical, or what? Um, yeah, I was uh, playing on and off with this bass player that from the 100th Monkey Generation, this yeah, band. Yeah, from the old band. And then I was doing, like, just to make money, I was uh, accompanying, like, uh, for uh, opera and modern dance and this kind of stuff. And Because I'm a good reader. I, yeah. And... Um, and it's a skill I have, and I can I can do it, but I hate it. <laughs> so I mean, it was really I was pretty miserable. But um, I was able to make some money doing that. 
And then it was, yeah, for a couple of years of just like piecing together stuff just to make enough money to eat and pay for some rent, you know. And then uh, it was about eight years ago, I had kind of like a nervous breakdown, I guess. The only difference was is I knew exactly what I had to do, which was to, to just take a leap and focus only on my own music. Wow. And, and fuck even trying to make money. I mean, just like that. And, um, and my wife has been really supportive. I mean, she's incredible. So, um, and it's, but it's working, you know, I'm now I'm traveling around the world. I'm playing with you guys and, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, so. Well, but probably then John too, you, you guys back in those days when you started, you never could imagine it. And I mean, that's the way it is with me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just got into music to be with my friend. Uh-huh. I never thought it'd be a way of a life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, totally. No idea. Definitely not. Yeah, the different paths of getting to this point is, I mean, it's a mystery, and the, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, and, you know, all that. Yeah. But I'm along for the ride. But, Tom, the, yeah. when, the first time I saw you play, uh, we played together, right? And um, shared a bill? Yeah, right? The bottom of the, the hill, hill, right? Uh, bottom of the hill. Not Olympia? No, that was with curtains, I think. Oh, Okay. Right, right, right. And then, but I, maybe it wasn't something we played together. Maybe I just was at a show that you played. But I just remember you, I, I think at the time it was a duo, right? Mm-hmm, with Rick Rivera. With Rick Rivera, yeah. So how did that <laughs> band start? Because that, that, that's a whole interesting thing. Like, was that that time that you formed that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was when I had this kind of pseudo-nervous breakdown or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, and I, <clears throat> right after this decision that I made in my life that, I had to focus on my music. Um, no compromise. Exactly. Yeah. I met I met this uh, great guy Rick Rivera, an incredible drummer, and um, so yeah, I asked him if he wants to play some music with me. And so, fortunately, he had a, a rehearsal space too, so that was good. <laughs> you know, yeah, just yeah. like old days, right? You got a band, uh, okay, man? Let's go. Drummers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so um, you had the shed, and I had I had all kinds of compositions and. And uh, different kind of structured improvisations and songs and and so on. So we made two albums together, he and I, of uh, most of my stuff. Uh, call it uh, Talam Rivera, my first name and his last and name. And then that's what you saw. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was completely bottom of the hill. Yeah, yeah. There a lot. Yeah. 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 That, that was my, my introduction to your music, and it just oh. felt it was just so like this is like. Like what? <laughs> yeah, what is you this? You made two albums. Can you yeah. film me some music? Oh yeah, for Play sure. On the show? Oh, absolutely. I never absolutely. heard it. Okay. Yeah. The stuff I know, you're from with Sigoti first, right? Remember? Right. Those guys just by chance they were friends of. Yep. Sonio de Manana guys. Right. Nipozano. Yeah, the Paisanos. That was the connection. You're right. So I started playing it. That's my, my connection. So. Mm-hmm. You can fill me in with some of that. Oh yeah, I will. Um, yeah, I got some stuff with me. I'll uh, look through it and yeah, of course, share anything I have. Um, maybe. Yep. Tim, Mr. Tim's time. <laughs> Thank no, you, Wyatt. Right. <clears throat> no, no it's a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and playing music with you. And no kidding, it's really, really been an experience. <clears throat> it's been great. So, okay, goodbye, everybody. Watt from Pedro Show. Um, here in Pedro, here in my pad, not with Brother Matt, man alone. 
started the second hour off with some stuff that pertained to Tom McDonough. Tom McDonough's incredible uh, piano player, uh, classically trained and all that. But, uh, well, he he said in his spiel there. We started off with some music, like I said, he's involved with, like, I guess he had these duos. I think this uh, this duet, Thalem Rivera, was the first thing John Dietrich saw. I think they were, say, in the bottom of the hill or something, up in San Francisco. And we started off with the I Know the Language. Third time I said, I started off with, no, fourth time now. And then we heard March 13, 2004, Thalem Rivera again. Uh and we heard something he did a duet with a piano guy. This is Tala McDonough's Nicola Guazaloca and uh, Winnings for Backings. And then uh, that music prefaced his spiel with me about his journey through music. Interesting trip and journey. Uh, I've played much Sigodi on this. Uh, Show mine and uh, Tom McDonough's member of Sigoti, along with Matteo and Andrea Jacopo. Great cats, great band. I'll play more Sigoti. They uh, a third album's coming. I mean, it's recorded everything. It's coming. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit the, the gigs. People ask me, how, how how do I do these Stooges gigs with the bad knee? Well, I get up on stage a little early, and uh, I'm on the side there with the crutches and the knee immobilizer on. Knee immobilizer won't let the port side knee bend. You know, it's got steel in it. It's got germs colors, black and blue. So it's kind of cool. And uh, when I... Get a sense, James Williamson's running up there, trotting out there. Uh, I begin my crutch on over, and Mr. Slouch, or Mr. Joss, they'll trade me the bass for the crutches. And so I'm not playing with crutches, and I'm not sitting down on the riser. I'm standing there, stovepipe leg, and doing it. <laughs> Here's some more music. A lot from Pedro Show. Thank you. 
ocean town Everybody From miles around We went out For a moonlight walk No woman like that could rock Mama like a little revolution talk We went down Revolution town Everybody for miles around We fell in A man named Jim Do a woman like that swing Mama like a little revolution thing from Pedro show uh, started that uh, follow up on Tala McDonough's chunk of music with Position Normal doing Going Gong yeah I was told by the, their main man that he wants to try a new direction I've played so much Position Normal because I love him on this show I think he's yeah 
Yeah, I dig it. You know, he lets a freak flag fly. Then we heard uh, something from Japan, Gensan, by King Otama. Then we heard Bands by the Dyna Band. And then from Creamy Electric Santa. I know those cats from somewhere way back. Well, they did uh, Workaholics Paradise Lost and Found. And finally we did Revolution Town by Son of Dave. Now, Son of Dave opened up two Stooges gigs in France in the month of July. And it was the second one. No, it wasn't. It was the first one I did with them, or the Stooges did with them, and I played the work the bass. <clears throat> Where my knee went out. It went out on the last note of the first song in Istre, France. Oh, man. You know what? I'm thinking, uh, because, uh, yeah, King Otama or whatever, uh, there's there's a new album out by uh, the Crew Crew. Let me play one of their tunes for you here. Watch from Pedro Show. Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro show. Now, was that wild or what? <laughs> that was the wild ride. It was number four from Crew Crew, their new album, ready to come pop right out. They floated one to me, uh, Mr. Nels. Nels Klein was blown away. Of course, I was. I got to actually play with them uh, February 78. 78. February 2008. Toward Japan. Uh, smoking band. Yeah, incredible. It was at Haiti. Yeah. Part of, it was it was trippy. It was not a live house. It was a different gig than all the rest on that tour. We did 14 gigs in 14 days, again with my brothers in light. And uh, Tatsu, Tatsunori? Yeah. Great cat. Artist, too. Band Up Up was uh, in this pad. And, man, that was one of my favorite gigs of that tour. Also like Nagoya too, Tokosu, I think was the name of the pad. What's the name of that pad? Tokuzo. And Miss Yuko tore it up on the drums. I mean it was wild. Uh but Kuruku, great, great band. And uh this new album they got. And one tune uh I've I've played it on my show already, but the singer man for uh Hmm. 5471? Do I have those numbers right? Yeah, Bingo. Bingo Sons on one of the songs. Great stuff. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour. Watt from Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. September 5, 2010. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
The drum man with us is Tim Barnes. And Tim, when was you uh, first getting uh, music experience? Pretty early on. I mean, music was always none of my parents really played music. My dad played, you know, clarinet in high school or something like that, but nothing yeah. real significant. And uh, both my parents liked music, though. And my mom, especially, was always in our house. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we listened to. The Beach Boys and Jackson Five and Motown and you were in California. Yeah, at this point. Cal Southern California, sixties, late sixties and seventies, and um, and then uh, Credence and even like later, you know, like my mom was like really in, got into that uh, uh, Kansas, like Dust in the Wind. Yeah, Dee Boone knew how to play that and. Uh, Fact, but it we was always a, there. Here's a little thing. We were at a talent show. Yeah. But like by City of Torrance, not school. And this drummer guy with chrome-plated drums asked me and Dee Boone to back him up. <laughs> and there was a hippie lady singer. And Dee Boone choked on it. Couldn't believe it. Like it had some fancy-ass yeah, finger-picking yeah, yeah, guitar. Yeah. And, but Dee Boone didn't even, not even wince on his face. Like then nothing happened here. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm playing it right. You <laughs> choke so big time. But yeah, it was like this total balls out face. There's nothing wrong here. You're hearing it wrong. This is the problem. <laughs> Your ears were somehow a half step off. It was every once in a while. Yeah. It was like 30 story hot spot. He just rolled that baby through. I was so impressed. Yeah, sorry. No, it's all right. I mean, it's uh, like Kansas, your mile like. Well, she, you know, she did. But it was, it was just, I think, a part of the progression of where music was going at the time. I mean, she was listening to a lot of stuff that uh, bands that she liked when she was in college and high school and stuff. Like, yeah, it was in Motown and Beach Boys and stuff, and some surf music, Dick Dale and stuff like that. Yeah, came into the into the into the scene, and, and then, but as music progressed, you know, like, you know, as you got into the '70s and stuff, and then. Kansas kind of like entered into our house but I think at that time too music like rock and roll I think had made its uh, this huge leap into living rooms you know yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like Sonny and Cher show the Dottie yeah. and Marie show and you know yeah uh, the Bay City Rollers had a show you know I mean, it was like it was everywhere you know yeah, yeah. and um, and my you know my uh, my uh, an uncle of mine my mom's youngest brother had a little drum set over at my grandparents' house, a little four-piece pearl set. And, uh, man, when I first saw that, you know, it was just like, you know, we'd well, go down and play, and yeah, yeah. And bang on it and, until someone would come down and, and throttle me to, to stop. And, <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> so, um, you know, that kind of continued for a few years, and finally, you know, I think, I don't know, for my 11th birthday or something like that, and my uncle... You know, finally gave me the drum set. Wow! And uh, my dad was so bummed. He yeah, because like, you did. Like, <laughs> he hated it. <laughs> 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 and the uh, Ponderoni, yeah. the Ponderosa. 
And uh, but you know, that's, you know, I really had no, I had no interest in in really learning how to play drums. I think I just yeah. liked the idea of just like banging this thing. And there was a guy who lived two doors down from me that was like, you know, quintessential like '70s rock drummer. You know, and he was probably, I think he was like. He was an older guy, like yeah. maybe like uh, he was going to like junior college or something like that nearby, and but he'd be playing in the afternoon. He'd be sitting out and you know be riding your skateboard on the block, and he'd just you know like, I just like wow, and then I think my mom convinced him to like try to give me a couple lessons, and that oh wow, it didn't really go anywhere. Then Kiss entered into my life. Oh, Peter Chris played Pearl. Yeah. And uh, by coincidence, oh, and yeah. I remember hearing uh, wow. their the, "Kiss Alive," and I think that was yeah. like, really like the first introduction to to that. And then hearing the uh, drum solo on hundred thousand years," yeah, all the phasing, you know, you know, sort of stuff. And uh, I remember that bass line, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> Did he really say you must have been a bitch while I was gone? Yeah, right. Wow. Or something. That Paul Stanley yeah. voice. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like <a> piece of <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> right. I remember that record. Go, Jim. Right, right. So that got you wanting to really go on. Yeah, that got me you know, into it. And I think, again, but it was more this sort of like the idea of it. And I think, again, like then, like... That be like lip syncing and stuff. Like I remember, you know, we, me and buddies would sit around, you know, with like tennis rackets and fake drums and stuff. Maybe how's like, we did it with baseball bats? Yeah, mm-hmm. they play, play the forty-five and fake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is before I knew Dee Boone. I didn't even know anything about music, but it was maybe because that Monkeys TV show. I don't know. Right? Yeah, was. there was that was uh, another music thing, you know. You know, where I had no idea of music, but they were like doing it, and yeah. So we had baseball bats and playing. Stupid fucking yeah. 45. The uh, the uh, the vacuum cleaner with the you know turned up handle at the top was the microphone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Elton John too. You know, like there was something like all these bands that were kind of coming out. They were they were I guess they were kind of like bigger than life, you know. And they were all over the place. I think rock and roll had found this huge marketing yeah. you know void that yeah. they filled. You know, you go to J C Penney's and you'd see. You know, Parliament and Kiss and Elton, John, you know, all just right there. You know, Joe uh, Joe Walsh and you know. I remember seeing the cover of like his record, like front something. Not Joe Walsh. Who's that guy? Well, French he, Kiss, where the ladies like got her tongue. Like, Welsh, was, Bob like, Welsh. Bob Welsh yeah, was yeah. a Fleetwood Mac guitarist. I remember sitting there, just going, Ebony Eyes. Or what is that, man? That's like I don't even know what. Joe that Walsh was. had a band after James Gang called Barnstorm. Right, and it was the band. smoker you drink, the player you get. <laughs> <laughs> and the big song was Rocky Mountain Way. Uh, and he used this tube oh, wow, wow. in his mouth. Yeah. 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 But Pete Frampton oh, yeah. took right. that he idea took even right way further. Totally. Well, he didn't take the idea further, but he got very much more popular. Yeah. <laughs> but there was... Uh, and then I think it, then kind of music sort of like for me maybe started taking a little bit of a backseat and I think that music was when I heard the I remember like the bands like the Eagles and all these sort of like big kind of bands that uh, 
were still kind of speaking to people my parents' age and stuff like that, just depressed yeah. the hell out of me. I just yeah. I hated it. Just was just like, what? And I just I didn't get it at all. And uh, and then you know later on, I mean, Southern California was a pretty cool place, you know, for for music. I think and and early eighties. Yeah, when you got to like early eighties and late seventies, it was yeah. it got really exciting. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I got into middle school, it was you know B fifty twos and Devo and stuff, and that was the idea of that's when like the idea of a band, you know, you could have a band like kind of came up. You know, these first images of like, wow, if, you know, if I could really play the drums or if I could really play an instrument, this we could do music like this. You know, this would be cool to like do something like this. Yeah. And, uh, I was also involved in the skateboarding scene, so that was also a really great way of listening to music. Right, right. And hearing about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here comes the movie Decline of Western Civilization. Yeah, and yeah. then and right before then, my friends had we had discovered the the you know the Sex Pistols record and the Clash now and stuff and then and then but now here then it's like this, all this English stuff and then all this punk rock that was on our yeah. you know on our turf Not you know foreign. kind of thing yeah. yeah it wasn't foreign it was right then and there and seeing that movie and hearing you know that music was just uh, that even pushed that idea even further like okay we could play music me and my friends could play music meanwhile you got the drums you're like doing on it but yeah but not no really band. not really i still couldn't i was in a band before i really even knew how to add the bass drum into the mix Whoa. you know i could do this and end. you know and the and all this kind of stuff and you know do pretty spastic uh fills not much different than i did like yesterday in the last couple of days but uh <laughs> oh, no. the, uh, the um, yeah, you got that bass drum in there right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like three or four bass drum hits i heard <laughs> but uh so i think in the same year i saw the decline of western civilization and that kind of like pushed this idea further and then i saw the kids are all right and saw early footage of keith, keith moon at the same yeah. time so while I was, while me and my friends were like trying to see who could play red tape the best on the drums, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, all of a sudden I see this footage of Keith Moon playing. I can't explain, and just oh, like yeah. this kid who was just so young and just had this little four piece set, and the, everything's like wobbling all over yeah. the place because he's hitting it so hard and just, blah, 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 and it's so <laughs> fast. I'm just like, I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah, yeah. And that's when it was just like that's what I want to do you know and uh, and so yeah then so I, I, I a buddy of mine I just made him sit with me for hours and hours until I finally learned how to do the doom on the you know on the uh, one and the three yeah, yeah and just like get it into my you know like patting your head and rubbing your belly you know, right, like getting right. that coordination in you know into myself and and then it kind of took off from there but shortly after we my family moved to New York and then uh, where I knew no one so yeah. my first couple months of being in New York was sitting down and we had a basement this was the first time we ever had a basement you know it was like well, California doesn't have basements yeah, you know? right. like, so here we are and we have a basement and my drums are down there and uh, and I would just you know put a record on put my headphones on and just play all day long and again until like my mom came down with tears just like could you please stop <laughs> but uh <laughs> But so the le- my level went up, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, of of playing, and then, but then when I got to school, there was just there was no, there was very few musicians, you know. And when you got to when I got to New York, Long Island, everyone had a totally different trip of like, n- there weren't a lot of people that uh, 
everyone played like from a chops perspective. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. was like, yeah. you know, hey, you, I think coming from like New York City or whatever, or this, there's like this real proficiency. Whereas, yeah. you know, in California, me and my friends, we all just sort of like taught ourselves. Yeah, the first yeah. band I played in, we played, you know, 80% of the music we played was surf music. And then the other percent was like Ramones and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And, uh, but when you got back here, it was all like, God, it was, you know, it was the rush, rush and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And it, it, I remember meeting like one guy named Dave Pearson who like, uh, he was the guy who like turned me on to like Joy Division and, you know, uh, stuff like that. And, and more like, you know, newer English, English stuff. And he was into punk rock too. And, you know, had an older brother, I guess, who like turned him on to a lot of stuff. And, uh -huh. But there was no, and there was a void to a certain extent with like what you missed from back in Cali yeah a little bit you know but I, was, I would try to like get these sort of guys together try to pull them in yeah, and yeah. create try to create something new or whatever but it would always it always kind of fell on its face and 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 that was like all through high school and stuff and and then after college is when it really kind of like stepped up I met these guys one night, I, I drove all the way from Long Island to go to Hoboken to see Shonen Knife play, oh. and it was just a great show. And was, Max uh, Wells, yeah, Max Wells, and uh, and there was an ad on the bulletin board on my way out, and I just happened to catch it, you know, and just like grabbed it. I called these guys, and you know, a couple of weeks later, we started playing, and and uh, and it went really well. It was just like, wow, this is cool. Just from and, an ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. And they, the two guys had been kind of Tim Newman and and uh, this guy Christian Bavacqua. They had been they had been playing together for a while and uh, for a little while. And their drummer left, and that's what. Yeah. You know. And uh, but when I came in, I think I brought this idea of like, hey, we need to get out on the road. We need to tour. Let's go tour. Let's make some records. Let's put yeah. out our own records. You know, and this is how we do it. And. Um, uh, oh, is man. this your label? We you know we had we had it was all of ours. Like we okay. started just the the band. It was like the band's thing, you know. And okay. and uh, you know we decided that that was the course we wanted to take. You know, there was a couple times when some people had offered to put some stuff out for us, and we kind of like, you know, we were you know, we just we would be like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then we'd stop for a second, be like, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be cool. We had to just, just do it ourselves. You know, yeah. like we all have day jobs. We can you know put up yeah. the money to do it and. If anything should happen with this band, at least all this stuff is ours, and you know, no one else. Right, right. It. So we just stayed on that path, and and uh, just started playing, you know, in New York as much as we could and stuff, and and started getting a lot of meeting a lot of people and everything, and mm -hmm. and it got some some smaller labels in in the city interested, and these people that would say, oh yeah, you should come down this to here, and found ourselves playing some like festival down in D.C., and so we met. You know some of that, that some of that scene a little bit a lot of that indie rock. This is all that, that in you know the ninety three, you know ninety three ninety four, yeah, you know, and on. Uh, and um, yeah, it was it was really cool because I've started meeting people who was like seven inches I had, you know, and that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Me, you know, I started like the people okay, that actually play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like the. Mm -hmm. I think I always kind of like had this idea about rock that there was like this uh, there's always this possibility of uh, a community yeah. you know a community of people that you know maybe not you weren't all like best of friends or anything like that but you, there was like this 
uh, rapport that yeah. you always that you could have with with other musicians. And I, I at first I found that it was very you d I didn't find that a lot. You know, everyone was so competitive and oh, yeah, you yeah. know, I had this like guard and like fuck you and right, uh, right, right. You know, well, we played this place. Where are you gonna play? And you know, like all this kind of just like weird, this kind of just weird shit. But um, uh, but yeah, as as this as we sort of as this band we were called Ditch Croaker and and as it kind of went down the uh, the path, we started discovering more and more of this kind of community and it was it was really cool and getting people. Uh, you know, like no one. It was always cool going into a place when no one knew you, and they all these people knew each other and everything like that. You yeah. get up on stage, and you kind of earn something after your set. You know, that kind of people yeah, right. like. And I remember it was a, when we went to this festival in D.C. It was like, I think we were kind of intimidated going into it because we knew the. You know, it was, it was, uh, uh, you know the backyard of all these uh, tsunami and velocity girl oh, yeah, and Fugazi and mm -hmm. you know this all these all these people you know and, and from an outsider's perspective all those people were best friends with all those you know everyone else and all these bands they played together and toured together and made records together and were on sure. each other's labels and all this kind of stuff and so we were kind of the odd guys out at this at this thing but after the first song you know some dude shouts out who are you guys? You know, and uh, and we didn't even respond back. We just kind of like kept it like tight and just sort of just went on with the with the set and just tried to like pound it, yeah, pound it into these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was a really and that was a uh, that was a really great moment in the whole thing. But what was cool is that then it just sort of like everything else developed into more touring. We yeah. loved touring. We loved going out. We all had like really good flexibilities in our jobs. You know, we lived in New York and it wasn't uh, easy. You know, we always had to like have, you know, some decent jobs just to like pay, yeah. our, pay our rent and I stuff know. like that. Spend your time. Yeah, yeah. And we weren't making lots of money on the road sure. at all. I mean, we were just whatever we could get. You know, was you know. I, mean, I found. I remember a buddy of mine, one of the guys in the band, got married recently, and I found I was trying to dig through some some paraphernalia to kind of like talk about it at his wedding and I came across an envelope that was like cash you know like a cash envelope from like you know, money like a, sack yeah and and uh, next to each you know I would, I would have written down the, the the venue and then how much we took in yeah man I, there was not there was like probably like 12 dates or something like that on this one envelope and there was not one gig that was like over like 75 bucks or something right, like right. that. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm... But what was wild that then, okay, so uh, that band, and then, but like five years later, I'd go out yeah. as just like a, you know, hired guy with yeah. a band. And minimum, people were getting like 150 bucks, you know. Yeah. You know, it was like all these like guarantees and stuff like that. It was just like, wow. We would definitely... Part of us did it right, but a part of us, you know, did it horribly wrong in terms of like, you know. <laughs> it's all about rolling the dice too. Yeah. <clears throat> but we took situation, it. Situation, the scene. Yeah. The thing you roll into. Tour is weird because that, that, they're not your worlds really. You visit them. Yeah. If you tour regularly a little bit, but still you're not in charge of those scenes. And, you're, and I was just, you know, and I think we just wanted to make sure we could connect the dots. Yeah, every, yeah. Every day. You know, and have as few days off, and it meant playing for 
whatever money came to the door, yeah. that's what we had, uh, we had been I know, I w we were there too. Our first tours were booked by uh, Chuck Dukowski. I remember one time we come, it was in Sacramento, and uh, can't find the pad, so the promoter's address is there, and go knock on his, you know, he's living with his mom and shit. He won't open the hatch. <laughs> you guys are playing? <laughs> yeah. Where? I don't know. You're putting it on. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, look, you find out where you're playing, and I'll go there tonight. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, you know. yeah, right, right. <laughs> so you had to call the clubs in town and say, "Hey, are we playing there?" <laughs> no, he see, he dropped the fucking ball. And never called right. Dukowski. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. happened. Yeah, He's yeah. too ashamed and shit. I'm glad we went to the door though, and we're like pounding on it. <laughs> George is like. <laughs> We were a little pissed, but we let it go. Yeah. Ended up a day off. Whoa, those are very rare for a Minuteman tour. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how long does uh, the D Ditch Croker go? Uh, all the way up through 97, and uh, 93 to 97. And we end up, I mean, we had, this, we had an opportunity that we really couldn't, we, didn't, we couldn't refuse to a certain extent, or we felt like we couldn't refuse. And that was uh, uh, an opportunity to sign with Reprise Records. Yeah. And uh, and after a, like long deliberation and just a lot of stress and strife about whether we should do it, we we decided to do it. Yeah. And uh, we hired Richard Grable as our as our lawyer, Martyr, and, and he and he he nailed us a pretty good deal. And they so from it was very bizarre. They want the reprise wanted to sign us for uh, three records. Yeah. And I think for from what we heard, that was like a pretty odd thing for a label like that to do at that time. Yeah. In that sort of, um, uh, just what the scene was within record labels, you know? Yeah. And uh, so Grable goes right in and says, okay, well, you're going to sign up for three records, that's cool, but if you drop them at any point, you have to pay half of the remaining recording budgets. And he gets that into the, th into the contract. Plus, we get in the contract that they have got to buy us a new, you know, we need a new van and, uh, you know, all, the, all this stuff. Yeah, so we got a, you know, we got a pretty great setup. And, you know, as soon as we signed on the line, though, we knew we were fucked. We just we knew it was like, we're so cooked. You oh, know, man. it's like, because we weren't, you know, it was like, we were three dudes who, you know, we just loved making what we right, do, right. what we did. We, none of us were like, uh, you know, I don't think really wanted, weren't swinging for the fence or anything like that, or had these like grand, toys. grand schemes yeah. of like, you know, wearing some, you know, having our own clothes, clothes line or anything like that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and we loved smoking the weed while we uh, created and played and just existed and being out there, you know, we just, that was part of just what we did. And it was, uh, and so yeah, we knew we just we weren't gonna fit in, and we and we were such control freaks in a way. I mean, we we wanted to do everything on our own yeah. terms, and so we were used to it. I think reprise just <laughs> I think they totally hated us uh, <laughs> because they're like, oh Jesus, we got to call them and see what they want to do about radio promotion, and yeah. we'd, we'd always be like, okay, who's gonna do it, and what did they do before, and what's their you know. How did they? We wanted to make sure that we were yeah, yeah. going to be taken care of, and not be like, "Yo, yeah, it sounds great," and you know, how much is, you know? Don't ask how much it's going to cost us or anything. You know, it's like we were just very 
you know, I think we were just very particular. And, and we had that, that mindset. You know, we had learned from uh, a lot of people that came before us, you know, about look after yourselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. There was a lot of, you know, it was the beginning of an era when there was like, access to information and, and stuff was getting a lot easier, you know. And so you could read stories about people that had come before us and, you know, where the where things went wrong and where things yeah. went right and stuff like that. So, um, and so, how did things go wrong? Yeah, uh, just you know, now, that that this that that the scene, scene just died. And within within the band, it was like classic. You know, uh, people wanting to do other stuff. You know, like one guy wants to make it more. You know complex and more singing and all this kind of stuff and another guy wants to keep it the way it is and you know I wanted to make things I don't know just uh, try to reach for some kind of new kind of sounds and yeah. stuff like that and and, uh, and yeah it's just sort of like it just kind of just fell apart and you know just almost as quickly as it came together really too wow. so it was but we're, you know it's like we all kind of still hang but you know it was what was cool, though, about that whole time was that I was working at a film editing company called Lost Planet in New York City, and the the guy who ran it, this guy Hank Corwin, uh, was really like a, a sound based editor, and so he couldn't he would, not that he couldn't he didn't he would he didn't like cutting a frame of film without a huge palette of sound. Yeah. And so one of my jobs, I was assisting him for a while, and one of my jobs was to go into this. He had this little studio. I'd just go and make things, you know, like, and he would want, you know, it's like Tim. Imagine like the synapses of someone's brain like firing off. Go in and go in and make something like that. You know, it was like those kind of that kind of direction, you know, and and uh, pretty creative situation. Yeah, it was. It was, and he had, you know, and he exposed me to a lot of cool music that I hadn't like uh, heard before, and composers and stuff like that, and. and so that kind of pushed me in this, you know, direction that stretched out of the, the, you know, indie rock sort of like pop music kind of, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, Did you end up leaving New York? Yeah, not for it was still, you know, uh, a ways down, you know, because New York became like after Ditch Croaker. Yeah. I I played I started playing with like a bunch of other people and like. Did a lot of Sideman, yeah. Silver Jews, you know. Then yeah, I, met, right. I met Jim O'Rourke and right. played on a bunch of his records, and um, and then uh, Pullman, and then within New York, started playing with with uh, Matt Valentine mm-hmm. from Tower Recordings a lot, and uh, and all these things were just God, it was such great experiences and just uh, amazing growth as a as a. Uh, as a musician, but also just like as uh, you know, being exposed to different ideas about music. I mean, yeah. you know, the ideas that Matt Valentine has about music versus like Jim's, you know, two totally different things, you know. And uh, but it was really great to play, you know, within within both those things. And you know, and then getting so far into, you know, <coughs> getting so far into it that uh, you know, doing like playing with these these European improvisers, these guys, it was just all about like texture, you know, like real quiet micro sounds, you know, and, and doing that for a couple of years and and then playing with like John Zorn and, and yeah. a lot of the other like, uh, you know, sort of 
the, the classic, you know, whatever, downtown. Uh, just the improv scene in New York was very healthy at that period and everything. And I just kind of all went up to this point, you know, and everything was, like, really great. And then I just kind of switched one off, and I just... I went out like a fucking dead light ball. <laughs> just like, just like, and I just, I was just like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't, didn't have an idea. I was like, well, I didn't know where I wanted to go. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so just, so I just stopped. I didn't have an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just stopped. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's when, uh, uh, shortly after that, I left New York, my yeah. family, my wife, Erica, and I, and, uh, left New York and, took our son Jackson with us and down to Louisville and and yeah and hung out and just been living there and uh, but then Louisville you can't go to Louisville without somehow getting involved in, in music yeah, and, right. and uh, um, and started playing with uh, the Four Carnation um, which is Brian McMahon who was in Slint yeah, and, yeah. And played with him all last year and which sort of culminated in uh playing the ATP 10th anniversary show in, in the UK in back before Christmas. And uh, one of the one of the coolest parts of that whole trip was reconnecting with Deerhoof. Watt from Pedro's show. Uh, started off the third hour with some music uh, that involves Mr. Tim Barnes, a drummy man. I had the great honor to... Uh, Play with for the first time uh, last week in Austin, Texas. Hmm, maybe two weeks now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the recording was during August 22nd, 20... No, I flew there 22nd. 23rd to 25th. Three days. And the third day is when I did these spiels with uh, John, Tullum, and Tim. And we heard some of Tim's... Uh, Drumming on these tunes starting off the third hour. Right Hand to the Brain by Ditch Croker. He spoke of them in the spiel. Uh, not, spar not Sport, Martial Arts by Jim O'Rourke. Jim O'Rourke, a great cat, of course. Uh, much respect for me, for him as well. As uh, uh, Mr. Tim, uh, we had some... Uh, conversations about Mr. Jim and yeah and he's a remarkable man we both agree and then A Draft of Shadows by Barnes Kajiwara and Rosenfeld and to show you yeah yeah he's got some vocabulary Mr. Tim there and quite a story from California New York to Louisville I can dig it and much respect. All three cats, Mr. Tim, Mr. Tom, Mr. John. Of course, uh, Mr. Nicholas for getting it together. Uh, I was very, very uh, gr grateful, and am now too, for being invited aboard. Try my best to work some decent bass for them. There was tunes. There was uh, improvise. Yeah. It'll be a trip when it comes out. Uh, well, it was a trip when we made it, but I, I, I kind of let go after that and let them uh, put that hunk of clay on the wheel and spin it, and and, and uh, you know, 
very much hankering big time to see how the Akachan is born. Truly righteous. Uh, all three very much individuals, but uh, very open to listening to each other. And uh, what I find important about more than one person playing, an interesting conversation. Uh, let's hear some more music, okay? Thank you. 
from Pedro Show. Last chunk of music for this edition. Started with He Said, She Said by Shell Shell Shag. Hard to say. I just saw them in Brooklyn. Good people. Then Hiba Walazola by Ichi. I think he just played in London. And Horoyori, a live cut from uh, Shinto, which is a band Ichi used to be in. And finally, Fukai Mori by Jago, uh, another Nihon band. Uh, it's been September 5th, 2010 edition of the Watt from Pedro Show. Everybody, happy Labor Day and keep your powder dry. <laughs>